Hello, ho, 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 and welcome to the Christmas special of the Forever Forest podcast. As always, I'm your host, Freebs, and I've played a shepherd twice in school nativities um, and uh, once played Widow Twanky, age 10 in the style of Bruce Forsyth. Um, that's Skegness in the 80s for you, a 10-year-old in drag pretending to be a popular TV entertainer. Like the best Christmas dinners, we'll be serving you numerous courses of sustenance, hard one with the site list, goodness and richness, full carbon, full fat, no filler. Also in the tradition of the season, we will have wise men and women, talk of sheep, bear, angels, legends, and a shining star, aka our special guest. Joining me for this festival of festive forest fizz, that's a hard one, are someone who every year since she was eight years old has asked for an evil king called Mel to come and destroy the town of Derby and its farmyard animals as he searches to wipe out the Messiah. Bit of a strange Christmas wish, but hey, looks like they all do come true sometimes. It's Lisa Fox. Good evening. We might have to wait till January for my Christmas wish, but hey, that would be fun, wouldn't it? It's coming, mate. Um, next up, a woman who, even though she tells me all the time she knows the 90s are over and she's okay with that, she's still asking for another pair of Adidas trainers, a Kangol bucket hat, some kicker's shoes, a Liam Gallagher Nebworth ticket, and she'd even take Steve Blatherwick or Brett Williams as left-back cover at the moment. It's Holly Royal. Shine. Shine, sunshine. Shine. Nineties never die. Um, I wonder if people in like the early like 1920s talked about the 1890s like that. Anyway, that's a, a podcast for another station. And finally, if Lisa is frankincense and Holly is myrrh, he is gold. Uh, is it because he's number one? No, it's because of his beautiful head of strawberry blonde whiskers and strands. Like a shining beacon in the darkest of wintry nights, he's our guiding star, direct from the land of stars and stripes. It's Dan White. Red hair is much more appreciated in the US than the UK. And it's also apparently a mutation as well, which I used to tell the bass player in my band to make him feel really good. But um, hey, Dan, nice to see you. And, and you, it's like squirrels, grey and red squirrels, you see. Grey are everywhere, but um, I prefer to be red myself. Well, don't we all? I always want to be a red. So first thing we're going to look at here is we've asked you guys um, to throw us some of these, where we've asked you, uh, number one, because it's the season of uh, being merry and all that kind of stuff, which current Forest player would you like to get a gift for and what would it be? So looking at some of your answers here. Oh, David Jones, I love reading out your Twitter handle, mate. You're a fine man and you're always interactive, but my God, it's long. David Joe 25197677. He wants to get an A to Z for Jed Spence with the pages between Nottingham and Smogtown ripped out. I think we'd all agree on that here, Dan. You like, like the side of that? Um, Jed Spence staying big, with the forest. Big fan of that, yep. Thought so. Scott McKenna, bubble wrap so he never gets injured again. I don't think he is physically able to be injured. I think that's part of the way they made him. A new contract for Lewis Graben, Lisa, I'm sure you'll agree with that one from Simon Gregory, just for your bets every week, yeah? Most having... definitely. Absolutely. Uh, Lee Lowesby, I might have said that wrong. Lewis Graben, I would buy him a razor and a shaving gel set. Oof. So I think it's religiously, but um, at the same time, we'll leave that one there. Uh, Mark Swift, some stabilizers for Taylor. Oof, I think that was before uh, the game the other day. So we were saying on the podcast uh, with uh, we did last week with Paul McGregor, uh, Lisa, that you quite enjoyed his stability, didn't you? Yes, Ryan. <laughs> and then, I couldn't get off mute. Oh, don't worry, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> I've always got a finger poised. And Rum Hamming says, a lovely five-bedroom luxury mansion in the Nottingham area for Jed Spence. Keep him away from Middlesbrough. Although, as we did discuss on the Paul McKenna podcast, you could then put him on 50 grand a week and cause complete disharmony in the squad. Anyway, moving on. I'm going to ask the guys here about their Christmas, uh, kind of the whole year, actually. It's Christmas and the new year in retrospect. So, Holly, um, I'm sorry to fire at you first, but you are first on my window. Uh, regarding 2021, the year that was um i want to know first of all i'll go with you then lisa then dan i'll come through each question your best moment of 2021 
best moment for me was probably the first league game at home after the lockdown against Bournemouth and the Mullerkintyre, just having everybody finally back in the stadium. Um, it was quite an emotional moment, I think. So mine's not really necessarily to do with the games. It's just more about the That's fine. The moment and the, what it kind of meant, I think, um, that we'd finally got to that place where we're back in the stadiums and we're able to see Mullerkintyre and it was incredibly emotional and incredibly rousing. So that was probably my favourite one of this year. Yeah, I was there too. And I actually, ironically, thought it was the time they messed up the tape. <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, I'm with you. I was going, I'm going to get really emotional. Oh, they fucked it up. Uh, Lisa, best moment for you? I was actually going to say exactly the same as Holly. Um, well, that's it. It'll be quicker, with, won't it? <laughs> with, with, with the fact that once they sorted the shit out with the tape, then yes, it was really good. So let's go with... Um, Cooper's appointment being the best moment of the season so far. Um, just noting as well for maybe a thing going to 22 that I've always been fairly potty mouthed on here, but Lisa has got worse week by week. And I quite like it. It's your fault. Uh, fuck off. Uh, Dan, uh, best moment of the year. Um, the last 29 minutes of Barnsley away. Oh, well, is that because you you brought your, uh, you brought the joy, didn't you? You brought it with you. Is well, I did. It, it was less about me being present. It was more about, um, without, I've, I've gone, you've all gone kind of all kind of, you know, slushy and warm hearted about, you know, the return to football. I'm, I'm just results driven. You see, um, it was, I think it was Cooper's second game. We drew it home to Millwall and that was a bit kind of, apart from Cooper coming in, it was a bit kind of meh as a, as a game. And then the first half against Barnsley was like, oh, one nil down, not not showing much, and then the last half hour, he, he tinkered around, brought people on, moved people around, and then we scored three goals. And I think that was the the turning point for me of like, oh, this this could be exciting. Yeah, it's funny. I'm completely discounting everything from before that. And actually, when you say you all have gone mushy, I'm going uh, Bristol City away last two minutes because I ain't seen that shit for about 15 years before us. If if that, I can't remember the last time I saw us ever do anything like that. So that is, I know it's a recent one. I look like a fair weather fan. But that's the one for me. Um, Dan, we'll go back with you the other way. The worst moment of 2021. Uh, Blackburn at home. Uh, (laughs) I think um, I'm going games again. I think it was the third league game of the season. So we lost Coventry and that was like last minute capitulation. Uh, You could kind of put that down to circumstances. Uh, We then lost to that game that, that you referenced, Holly, the Bournemouth game. And again, you know, two games in Bournemouth are a decent side, not the end of the world. We beat Bradford in the cup and Carvalho scored a couple and people were like, oh, what might happen next? And then that Blackburn game, we started all right and then we're dreadful. And I thought to myself, God, if Hewton's here for the season, the best we've got to look forward to is trying to scrape a draw at home to some mid-table teams. So that was like a, a moment of absolute despair, I think. I don't know why it really made me laugh the way you you went God in the middle of that. I think when you listen to this back, it's almost because I imagine you having the thought going to yourself, this is really bad. Oh, God, this is terrible. I just don't know why the God made me laugh. Uh, Lisa, your worst moment, please. Join it, the podcast. It's actually the end of last season, um, losing at home to Preston um, when we notched up a sixth game without a win and it was kind of what's going to happen next. Pre-season is going to, you know, it was all meh because Forest fans weren't allowed in the ground and whatever, whatever. Um, but, hey, it's all good. Uh, Holly, just for yours, I'm going to throw one in because I know that you won't have chosen this one. Mine is randomly sitting in Cardiff watching Derby play Sheffield Wednesday with a Cardiff fan in his front room and he apologises that they've just scored against Rotherham with a player who I think he said used to have cancer and apologised for that as just the whole thing of going, 
it's someone who wasn't well, it's Derby, it's all this kind of stuff. And it was just like, I'm so sorry, because I never wanted them to go down so much, because especially with what has happened, they'd be buggered, you know? And, you know, texting me, mate, it was a Wednesday. That, for me, weirdly, because we were saying, meh, and, you know, Dan, this season's been pants, I agree with you, but that that was a moment for me that I felt worse about watching them pissing around in that car park with the bottles of beer. Uh, and that says a lot about Forrest. Um, Holly? Um, I've kind of got two. One is the terrible fake crowd noise that used to be pumped in uh, during lockdown. Um, but other than that, just breaking our record for the most, uh, the, the worst, sorry, the worst start in, I think it's 108 years. At the start right. of the season was pretty dire, I think. But can you admit ago. a little bit that if uh, right now, I kind of like it. Now I <laughs> Yeah, do. well, considering where we were, absolutely. I no, mean, but it's I like just... that we've started like that and we're eight. Yeah. Absolutely, and the sky's the limit, isn't it? Now, come on, it is. Oh, but that's that's my excited gun hands, so that's what that is. Uh, Holly, uh, best player, and uh, um, why, why is it Ryan Yates? <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with someone other than Ryan Yates. Um, I'm gonna say, um, Zink, Zink and Argle, probably you know, he's been the best. Uh, supplement to this Forest team this season. <laughs> In the whole of um, 2021, let me <laughs> you're going for Philip, um, you know, Philip Zinconagel, yeah? Just getting this clear. Yeah, he's the first one that came into my head, if I'm honest. I can tell. <laughs> um, Lisa, who's the best, who's your favourite player, best player of, uh, best player of 2021? The best player of this season in 2021. 2021 as a whole, so you've got that awful bit of the last season. Well, well, the end of last season was all rubbish. So I don't really that. If it was, we're talking last season. Well, I uh, picked Derby games. So yes. Um, I'm I'm gonna actually go with Jed Spence. I'm sorry. You know, we we know I, I put it all out there on social media how he is. Um, but I just love watching him play. You know, that first 20 minutes in the for the game against Bournemouth, it was like, okay, who is this guy? Um, what has he got to offer? Is he any better than what we had previously? Um, bearing in mind that Cyrus Christie last year kind of was a slow burner and then got better and better as the season went on. Um, and for me, after that first 20 minutes, we haven't looked back and he's just got better and better. And if he does make a mistake, he's, he just wants to correct it. And it's, I just love him. Um, and they, they, they say, don't they, don't, don't fall in love with your lone players because it's only going to end in heartbreak. January is going to be horrible. Let's keep our fingers crossed he doesn't go. Or your neighbours, apparently. That's, uh, I think that's the whole sentence. I can't remember. Uh, Dan might be different in states. I don't know. Um, have you fallen in love with a neighbour? No, sorry. Okay, so Dan, who's your uh, best favourite player of the year or best player of the year? Jack Colback. Because? Because uh, of what he represents. So, oh. first of all, you could probably say, thing. well, the hair thing, obviously. But um, you could probably say, actually, he's he's got a good record this year because he didn't play most of the bad games and he's come in <laughs> since, but, but it's, it's more, more a thing of he represents that group of players that were kind of like cast out. And I don't mean cast out under Maranakis with the whole kind of bomb squad. I mean, more cast out by Hooton where it was kind of, well, you were either in or out and there wasn't much warmth around the team or much kind of cohesiveness and, and yeah, it's a bit all of that nonsense. So um, yeah, for me, it, it's, he's one of those players that's come back in, been given a chance, obviously, Cooper knows how to work with these players, how to make them feel confident and and welcomed into the team. 
And uh, there've just been some great moments that have kind of gone under the radar because we've had those, you know, those big last minute wins at, at Bristol and then some other great goals in the front three. Uh, but Colback slammed that one in against QPR, that deflected one in the last oh, yeah. minute. And then he, he put that challenge in against Barnsley that kind of was a bit underrated. So I think, again, it represents a turnaround in the whole squad. But I'm going to go Jack Colback for that reason. I'm going to go for Zhao uh, Carvalho. Um, so finally, random moment of the year. Uh, mine is me going for Zhao Carvalho. Um, <laughs> no, mine is mine is is quite modern again. It's it's away at QPR in that concourse that looks like a rabbit warren. Thinking to myself, if we don't all get COVID right now, I don't know what's going on. Um, it, I, I've never felt kind of weirdly so in danger for so many different things, Just being crushed, COVID, someone bullying me whatever it could have been. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go back with you, Holly. Uh, your, your random moment of the year uh, in 2021. Is showing Paul McGregor a childish sticker that I made of him um, two oh, years last ago. Week. <laughs> we're doing that Strictly thing. Well, we're pretending it's Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so and how, how was that? Is that something you ever thought would have happened? I never thought 17-year-old seven, me uh, would be... Uh, delighted right now but 42 year old me is just yeah a little bit embarrassed it's fun we loved it luckily holly and hasn't chosen to sue you lisa you're so close to making that food um what are you going for as your random moment of the year my random moment of the year was uh, going to a, a very um small wedding um about two three weeks ago at the city ground it was held in the boardroom um, and I went with I went with Gary Bertels, believe it or not. Um, and he pointed out to me as we walked out after the wedding had taken place that there, there is a um, a jug that is a commemorative jug uh, made of pottery that um, was was given to the club uh, after the European Cup win. And his name is spelt with only one R. So you went with Gary Bertels. Wow. Oh, is, it, is his name Pearls? <laughs> I can imagine. Well, that is random. <laughs> and, and what's even more random is that Fowler has a nick the bloody thing. Um, that is, that's my leader so far. Dan, uh, can you out-random the random of Gary Bittles? Not really. I was just going to name drop and say I was on the same flight as Dane Murphy. And then I sat just behind him at a game and um, fanboyed him completely. But yeah, that was that was kind of it. So finally, we're just going to add another one here. We asked you guys, Christmas gift number two, which former Forest player from any era would you put in Steve Cooper's stocking? I had this horrible image of Steve Cooper in stockings there for a minute that would enhance the current squad. I know you did too, looking at your faces. Uh, Robert Phillips, or known as Cavisham Tricky. Uh, I like that. Stan the Man, quite obvious with that one. I like that one. Um, at Charles O. Price, says David Johnson, he'd probably fit in a stocking. <laughs> I like these little slights. His link-up play with Brennan would be so good, you think they were related. I like that, but it'd also be a bit of that Back to the Future crap where it's like, is he really a like, butterfly effect? Um, someone whose name is Rob Hodges, but done in really weird letters, Bristol Tricky. Someone who could take a corner and put a cross in. I give you Ian Wone. I thought he was going to be really negative there. I thought, oh no, Rob. But wand, wand of a left foot. Wand of a left foot. We have ah, to say it. You mentioned absolute. Ian Wone. Wand of a left foot. Wand of a left foot. It's like when someone brings out Scottish money, you go legal tender. Uh, Greg Oram says, Collymore all day long. We're a bit dry up front and Stan would score a hat-trick. Uh, well, uh, this was probably before we <laughs> spanked four past Swansea. Uh, Andy Reid is the choice of Greeny, um, uh, sorry, how can I say it? Green NYC 77 and that sweet left peg. And Mike Murphy says, Collymore 
slightly more quickly across the board because some kids got to eat. So, Holly, who are you going to go for as your choice of the uh, person to add to Steve Cooper's wonderful woolly stocking? Ooh. Mm. This is a tricky one. Um, I'm just going to say... Someone I like helps, by the way. I can't. Sorry. Thought, the left back out. I went Stuart Pierce straight away. Yeah, let's go with him. I was just about to say that we. I think we're halfway there, sorting out in that position. Um, but yeah, why not Pierce every day? Lisa Fox to say one day. name really quickly, and I bet it's the fastest she's ever said a name in her life. Go on, Lisa. Oh, Sam Collymore, but he but he wouldn't play with Lewis Graben, so I, I. I think Lewis would have to learn to play with Stan. Stan was just a different level. Um, Stan was just a different league. Different, well, yeah, Premier League eventually. Um, Dan, over to you. Who, who, you, who you add in? This is going to be random. I know it. Go on. Steve Stone. Why not? I like Steve Stone. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so much as well. It's almost like I like him, so I'm going to have him. I just remember him being good, really, and um, oh, Christmas exciting. Dinner. Scotch egg Scotch eggs. Yeah, okay. Listen, guys, thank you so much for uh, writing in with those for us. Um, we will be looking at a few more of those later on. Well, I'll, I'll just look at them individually. I won't bother these guys with them. But right now, we're on to our next thing. So here we go. Joining us for our Christmas special is a very special guest and one we're extremely excited to have making his Forever Forest podcast debut. Will we get a Robert Earnshaw backflipping great performance from him or the case of a Eugene daddy, if you all remember that guy? There's only one way to find out. It's our very own Garibaldi Santa Claus, who we have promised we won't be writing to asking him for Jed Spence for Christmas. It's New York's Cosmos legend, honorary member of the Nottingham Forest North American Supporters Club, and odds-on winner for the best-dressed CEO in the championship, Forest man at the wheel, it's only Dame Murphy. Hello, Dame. Hi, how are you? Yeah, did you, how was that for an intro? Was that okay? Was that yeah? I thought that was fantastic. Was That's really well the work of uh, Dan White there. But yeah, uh, Dan, Holly, uh, Lisa, hello to Dana. There we go. We're all officially <laughs> waved at yeah. each other on Zoom now. Um, yeah, so we say we're going to start off with a few uh, cues for you, and uh, then we're say for those listening, we're going to be uh, Dan's going to be some, bringing some questions from the other side of the pond. Uh, which he assures me he had no idea of when he first moved over there. And then Lisa's going to be uh, throwing some Nottinghamisms, uh, Dane, and then uh, yeah, we'll see where we go from there. But Holly, I'm going to start with you. Do you have a, a Christmassy question as we are only a week away from the, the time when we're doing this? Indeed, I do. Uh, delighted to have you on, Dane. Lovely Thanks, to Holly. meet you. Great um, to you as well. Lovely to meet you. Um, so I'm going to go in with a really, really important question to start us off with then. So what does Christmas lunch look like in the Murphy household? And has it changed much, much, sorry, since you've uh, lived in the UK? You know, it's really funny. I was talking about this today in the office because this Christmas will be the first Christmas in my 35 years on this earth where I'm not going to be at my parents' house. It's very, it's, oh. it's, I'm, I'm coming to grips with not having that Christmas lunch, but my mom um, is, the, is the chef of the house and she always has been and it's delicious we have the roast beast the steel from the grinch um <laughs> we have our uh, scallop potatoes green beans the gravy the whole nine yards any wine you could choose from which i don't I haven't really partaken in, in the past because i know if i start early then the murphy basketball game in the afternoon or then the murphy football game doesn't doesn't take place without <laughs> me so um yeah so that's that's what it looks like and it's a lot of talking over each other we're just a bunch of irish catholics in a in a dining room uh trying to get our points across and it never really ends up with any um 
thorough plan. It's just a bunch of uh, people eating too much and, and telling war stories and, and laughing and having a good time. But I'll miss that this year. I'm going to spend my first uh, Christmas away from home. I'll be in Nottingham the entire time. Um, so, yeah, looking actually looking a little bit forward to something something new in my life. This is the point where Dan's going to say, well, I don't live that far. I'll try to work out where your folks are. I'll go and do it for you. <laughs> and just, yeah. Get involved yeah. in the old debate there. Uh, is there any board games going on? Is that a very, I don't know if that's a Britishism, you know, I don't know. Is it a, yeah, I think it is a little bit more Britishism. We, we tend to um, eat and drink and then play as many sports as we possibly can until wow. we can't stand. Uh, if there's snow on the ground, we'll go sledding. But it's, um, yeah, it's sports all day, all afternoon. And then, if there's any sports on TV late at night, at least in the Murphy household is a very sports driven family. So that's, that's kind of the way it goes. I can vouch for a lot of people from Skegness and Lincolnshire where I'm from, but when most of them have eaten, the last thing they want to do is move, let alone start throwing threes from places and God knows what. Yeah. So, um, Lisa, I'll uh, hand over to you next. We're going completely from one, one end of the scale to the other here. Um, okay. The question that I've got, got for you um what would you say has been your proudest moment in football both during your playing career and since you moved into new area new areas post playing gosh it is the other end of the spectrum isn't it um I mean, proudest... it, can be, it can be you know something you did after a christmas dinner in 2005 if you want <laughs> <laughs> proudest moment off the field is is a relatively easy one and i don't it's not pride that I take in it. It was a, just a moment of, I can't believe something like this has happened in my life was my first year at Barnsley staying up in the last day in the 94th minute of the last game. I don't think while playing sports or any time after, um, while involved in sports the rest of my life, I'll ever have a feeling like that. It, and Americans, you know, they hear about it, they see it on TV, they, they, they don't really know what that's like until you're in it. And I think that's why the sport here in the UK is the preeminent sport around the globe, because you have a moment like that, that completely changes your chemistry as a, as a human. So prideful, yes, but I think it's just the most special moment I've, I've had um, outside of, of playing sports. And then I, maybe in sports, gosh, Again, not prideful, but just special to me. Um, was playing with the New York Cosmos as we were coming back into the four and the New York soccer and, and U.S. soccer landscape was playing Paul Scholes' testimonial at Old Trafford um, and playing 88 minutes running around like a chicken without its head until both my legs cramped in a, in a testimonial. So that's how seriously I was taking it. Um, we got destroyed i think six one or six nothing but i still took it that was my super bowl that was my world you cup bet. final um so yeah that was that, that kind of tops it was all downhill after that but yeah i think in in the sport that was probably the most special moment i've had playing the game or any any sport i feel like there's another subsection of questions which i, I know dan's got a good one so when you think about that whole you know, same with Barnsley and that relegation threat. And then you have the playoff thing afterwards that with what, you know, I follow a few different types of American sport and it seems like jeopardy of your relegation and things like that. And the, I just think it adds a different thing to it altogether, really, doesn't it? It does. And it, and the, the American sporting landscape is, is much uh, younger than, than the sporting landscape here. And, and the way it's evolved and the, how the leagues have built themselves out and how the owners want to invest and the reason the leagues 
are sustainable are the same reasons why you don't have those moments. Um, and yes, sports are great in the United States and you have a single entity and you make sure those who don't do well, the remaining in the league, and they're even sometimes rewarded with the top draft pick if there's a draft or more money. Whereas here, it's boom or bust, and it's it completely changes. Um, sometimes the towns that, that are built around the clubs and the clubs that are built around them, and again, I don't think the American general sports fan or the, the, the American sportsman or sportswoman really can understand that until they're in it. Because you see it and you understand that yeah, promotion relegation would be great, but this is American sports is how it's always been done. And then I, that happened to me and it happened to my wife and um, everyone around us. And it was, yeah, undeniably the, the best moment I've had in sports because of what it meant to so many people, not just yeah. us in a vacuum. Um, and the time in which it happened in COVID with, you know, we were the only two or three people there with our club secretary who's now with Nottingham Force as well, Taymor. Um, yeah, hard to describe. I've only seen it in a small window where my partner at the time took me to um, New York for my 30th and we went to see the Rangers. Um, yeah. And she'd never been to sport. Then I brought her to the city ground, see Forest play Cardiff. And I think yeah. somebody, and you've got that whole Madison Square Garden, let's go Rangers. And yeah. then we went to Forest and somebody behind me went, I'd rather watch a dog give birth. And she said, <laughs> a bit different. I was like, yeah. yeah, there you go. But um, I'll, I'll get over to Dan before he perspires there. Yeah, no, um, you're going to have to forgive us, Dane, if we don't share your uh, pride in that season. But Yeah, it, I didn't it, go into too much detail on that. Yeah, okay. it's very diplomatic there. That's what you do. It's a funny uh, group of circumstances, right, where probably that last-minute winner against us caused not only you guys to stay up, but us to potentially stay down or at least out of playoffs and, and cause a... You know, butterfly flaps its wings, and the next minute yeah. you're you're at Forest. So yeah, that's yeah. it's bizarre. But um, a question on a similar theme, I think. So you've been at in the UK what two and a half, three years now in terms of roles. That's in right. Football. Yeah, two and a half. What surprised you most in terms of like the front office uh, mentality? So you talked about on the field and promotion relegation, but in terms of how the clubs are run over here versus what you saw at DC or Real Salt Lake or any of the teams you were with over there. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting, the dichotomy is, is, is really interesting because, you know, American is built on capitalism, free markets, you make your own uh, as you may, but then it's sports are single entity, they're closed shops, there's no um, relegation, and generally, if you get in, you invest the money, at some point, you'll find some, some success because it's, it's geared towards parity. Whereas here, you come here and it's wide open. It's it's almost the Wild West. Um, so it was a new sport to me in a way because when I came from the MLS, everything was structured. The contracts were basically fill in the blanks. Here's this, you know we own eighty percent of the player contracts, twenty percent are owned by the club, and even those were restrictive. But when you come here, you have about eighteen agents for every one player, and you have um, no restrictions on anything and it's kind of make it what you want at any time. And, and to me, that was, it, it was a learning curve. It's still a learning curve every day, uh, because of how drastically different it was and what I was brought up with. Um, and just learning the different elements, both internally, how, how people manage it, you manage the expectations, you manage the budget, but also externally, the amount of people that are involved, uh, that you have to appease, or disappoint in trying to get 
uh, business done. I think that was the biggest hurdle for me early on. It was kind of like learning a new language, honestly. Um, and I had to learn quick and uh, maybe hit some speed bumps along the way and, and still will, but uh, just trying to take it in as much as I can as to what works and what doesn't. And um, it changes from club to club, window to window, but you have to have a plan and stick to it. That's what I've learned most, um, or mo I guess most appreciated is you have a philosophy, you have a plan, and if you don't stick to it in this open market, then you kind of uh, find yourself swimming upstream. Yeah, I guess my question sort of tied in with that in, in a weird way, but also to do with the wonderful world of social media and stuff we deal with. I, I mean, I've spotted Forest was working out it's 30 years this year my first game was away Wednesday where I got to meet Brian Clough and it seems like a different world completely um I've never seen such discussion and optimism about a CEO being appointed at a football club and that was even probably before you'd arrived you know you got the rumors coming in and it was like who's this guy and this is you know and it was gonna happen um but even more the love for your trench coat I mean for god's sake the amount of stuff I heard about what you were wearing and things like that it's just incredible and maybe it was probably youth to it and we're, we're used to more that kind of so those sort of old dusty old board we've seen from the old days i guess we all appreciate that you know you're here to do a job and to be a success but did the reaction to your appointment help you settle in straight away or is that kind of stuff that you just i did the interview and just get on with my job and ignore it i mean are you aware of that stuff or not yeah well i'm definitely aware that my my uh one of my biggest vices is uh, our trench coats i love them <laughs> i'm gonna admit that openly i'm with you i'm a big coat guy um especially over here when you know, the sun's out four days a year. You have to have some nice coats. So um, if I'm going to invest in anything. It's, it's, it's having a nice trench coat or two. But that being said, I think what has made, I don't pay attention much to the social media um, Can I just press clippings, the headlines. Nice. Keep doing that. <laughs> Keep doing that. Yeah, life yeah I, I, to be honest, when I first came over, um, as a 32-year-old about turned 33, I was, you know, I was on Twitter. Um, I was looking at all the stuff. What are people saying about me? What's going And then I realized, one, I was causing myself a lot of, you know, sort of unwarranted and unneeded angst. And I was also wasting a lot of time. And I had to learn, as I said before, I had to learn so much on the fly. It was almost good that I was, you know, my head was barely above water because I had to cut that out to concentrate on the job at hand. Um, so I think what actually has helped me settle in as quickly as I have at Forest and why I feel a part of the family already is the people on the ground, to be honest. There's so many good people at the club um, that have been there that are the building blocks of the club. And I'm, I'm not blowing smoke. This is at the city ground and at the training ground. The amount of people that sort of give everything to this club every day and don't ask for anything in return and just want our start for the success of the club, both on and off the field which was shocking to me um, because I had the same situation at Barnsley, but you, at Barnsley, because it's a small club and it's in a smaller town, you come to expect that, that the people love their club so much that they're willing to fight tooth and nail to see it succeed. Mm -hmm. And I came to Forest with one of the, probably the richest tradition, um, in the championship, certainly in one of the biggest clubs in England that even the, you know, the casual American soccer fan knows. And I got there thinking, okay, I'm going to have to feel the lay of the land and who's committed. And I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised at how 
willing and able all the people are within this this club to to fight for it, you know, to work the extra hours, to to get in early, to make sure that everyone feels valued, and 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 we're trying to build that culture and atmosphere. But the the roots, as I said, in the building blocks are already there, so that has helped me settle more than anything. You know, the support is great. If people were looking forward to me coming in and and uh, bringing a, a different sort of feel to the club and and a, and a plan and philosophy that you know was needed. That's great, and I I welcome it, and I and I, I really hope that support continues to manifest itself with Steve and and his staff and his players. But for me, it's it's the people on the ground who have allowed me to do uh, the job that I have thus far, and and allowed me to feel like you know a part of the place. I guess, I guess uh, people have probably told you this, but I'm, I'm sure the guys will nod in agreement. We've just seen a lot of false dawns. I, I, I'm one of these Forest fans who well, I don't believe we have divine rights to be anywhere. We overstretched in lots of ways. In the 70s, what Brian Clough did was outstanding. In the 80s, when I got into it, we were still, you know, okay. And then there's been mismanagement at times. There's been choices. as There are with a lot of businesses. And I guess we've just seen other clubs who we would not, you know, snobbily call smaller. Um, but, you know, and again, there's no divine right. Doing it a smarter way. And I guess that when you see like Barnsley doing well and the success of it, when you see someone like yourself doing it, that's where we as fans will go, we'll have a bit of that, please, if that's possible. And you know, it's probably a huge pressure on you with it in a sense. But um, it's like, you know, you don't want to be seen as the saviour of it all, but it's it's progressive and sort of more forward to us. That's where I think the fans generally see it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I I think that's a big reason why, you know, Mr. Marinakis um and his close circle looked at me and, and thought, okay, maybe this is, this is the way we need to go because you know, he's invested so much in this club and still does every single day. And he wants to see it succeed more than anyone else. And he had the wherewithal and the foresight to say, Hey, you know, what we're doing, maybe not working. Can we bring someone who has maybe a more progressive modern plan in and see if that works, that he can build it out in yes. parallel with winning matches because above all else, that's king. Results matter. But yeah. can we implement this plan and still be successful week in, week out? And, you know, I'm thankful for him for, for taking the um, chance on me and giving me the opportunity because I really do believe if, if we keep in the direction we are and, and we adhere to the things and the principles, philosophies that we're implementing with the talent around it and the people at the club, you know, this is, this is the right way and the way we should continue. Yeah, definitely, and that's like you say, it's, it's all results at the end of the day, isn't it? Um, yeah. But that's yeah, it's been it's so far so good. We'll come to that in a bit regarding the change of it. Lisa, are gonna go one with you. Yeah, just just going on about what what you you just touched on there. Obviously, coming into Forest, we've been out of the Premiership for so so long, and um, I was eighteen, Lisa. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think I was about that age too. Um, and you, as, as fans, we've we've kind of now got to the point where. We really we we want the promised land, but we just never quite get there. Um, when you took the job on and kind of walked in and and had got yourself settled behind the desk and knew what the day to day job was going to entail, did you ever feel like it was too big, um, or that everything that kind of every time you picked up and up a knot that it kind of led to another knot? Maybe is is the best analogy I can I can put. Yeah, I think that's that's anywhere you go when you when you come into a new situation. I don't think it is too big or or the task at hand when I first saw it was too big. 
Um, it is certainly the biggest club and the biggest opportunity I've had um, in my football career. But at the same time, uh, there are a lot of good things in place at Nottingham Forest. And yes, um, two years ago was absolute heartbreak. Last year, who knows? I mean, Barnsley finished fifth. Uh, Forest finished 17th. There was uh, no fans. Fields weren't great because people couldn't um, fix them in the offseason. There were a lot of variables that play into uh, the output of, of, of last season. So I think in a vacuum, you say, okay, this club looks like it's heading in the right direction and this club isn't. But when I saw very quickly, once I arrived that there are a lot of elements and a lot of tenements in the club that are, that are actually correct and are headed would help, would help a club head in the right direction. I got excited to be honest. I didn't feel overwhelmed in the slightest. I thought, Oh, wow. If, if we change a few strings here and you know, have a different note here or there, or a different tune here or there. This this could happen, and I don't want to out jump out jump my landing here, but this could happen relatively quickly if we get the right pieces in place and we have people believing in the actual philosophy and the methodology of what we're trying to implement. The footing and the grounding is there. It's just building off of it. And I think that's that's something that I think everybody has kind of invested in. Um, you yeah. coming in, Steve Cooper coming in the fans actually start to believe again. I think that's, yeah. you, know, you, you sit in the city ground Number and you, you, you do believe it's, it's that the, 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 there is possibly something special to come. Yeah. But we're also British and Forest fans. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're also used to failure. <laughs> yeah, we've seen yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, uh, false storms. But, um, talking about grounds and uh, places that we pack out with the great away support and stuff like that. Holly, you got a question. I'm just feeling really lulled by these positive vibes. I really like that. Really well, like that. Negative um, question. Then. No, I'm just okay. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on. Um, apart from the world famous, uh, which stadium that you visited in the UK has been your favourite, and why? Oof. And there's one you're not allowed to say, Dane. Even if you like, it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a tough you know. one. Yeah, it's, I'm definitely not going to say that one. I'll be I don't like it at all. Five it's funny. I actually have a. a it's easier for me to list out and I'm not going to, cause I'm not going to get cornered into this. The ones I don't like the most, um, the ones I like the most or had the best time in. Hmm. That's a difficult one. I really liked, we played at Stanford bridge in the Carabao cup last season. That was very cool. Although there was no fans, just the, the build out of it, where it was located. Um, I thought that was really cool. I think in the in the championship, Craven Cottage, although there it may Fulham fans might kill me for saying this, maybe Alistair as well, but I think it might lose its feel a little bit when it builds out this this big stand mm-hmm. um, next to the on, river. Right? Yeah. To us, there's this misty nostalgia that goes with it's like an old ground. You get it again. Yeah. You get it that's why I like it. To it, be honest, it those are the grounds I liked. Um, and I know Stanford Bridge isn't, I think that was more just the enormity of it and, and and playing at Chelsea, but the older grounds are the ones I, you know, I, I kind of really took to, um, even, uh, even Brentford's old place that was just mm. not, not fit for purpose, but it had, it had a feel to it, it had a smell to it. And I know this might sound weird, but it just, even, even sometimes Oakwell, like I, the reason I liked it, 
although that there's needs to be worked on. It's obvious if you want more fans, you want to attract more revenue. There's a, a smell of British football and the old yeah. um, soul of the game that's in some of those stadiums. And I, and that's the stuff as an American, you go there and you look at it and like, this is so much bigger than anything I'll ever do. Um, and I understand why this is the lifeblood of the town I'm in. And, and those are, those are the stadiums I think that probably I've held most dear are the, are the older ones that have a bit of character and the big ones are nice. Like I went to, I went to Tottenham stadium recently for an NFL game and I felt like I was back in the States. It was, it was great. It was cool, very modern. And, um, but is this, is the soul there? I, you know, does Maybe, that happen over time? Isn't baseball more the older stadiums in America? What I've seen, they've got the more they, heritage. Baseball has more, you know, the older stadiums, and even those though are being renovated or or changed into new, um, multi-use arenas. And it's, yeah, for me, it's it's great. It's great to have more fans in, and you can have concerts and all that. But you also you also maybe lose a little bit of feel and the history that cool. that has happened at at those pitches and those venues. So. Well, that's um, yeah, it's completely about soul for me as well. I think you're right, and it's uh, what I don't think Forrest quite have got to the point where we need the old. Watching that going on, um, Dan, do you want to roll your question into your little section for Dane um, as well? Yeah, sure. So we'll start with the question. We're going to stick on the aesthetic bit for now. So one of the um, one of the uh, positives of last season and this season has been our third kits which have come out of nowhere and everyone seems to be well into um, and being a bit of a kit geek as well. Just interested to understand like who, who at the club gets involved in that side of things. Do we take stuff from Macron and do, do you kind of leave them to deal with it? Or is there someone sat there going this year, fluorescent yellow is going to, you know, like sell out. <laughs> he wants to be the kit guy for Forest. He wants to be. Yeah, basically that, that's my dream job to design the kit. But yeah, I'm just, just interested to know, like from your point of view, it's obviously lower down the list of things, but how much do the club like put into that? Yeah, the, the the highlighter yellow and orange kits are pretty cool. I got to be honest. When I first saw them, I thought, "Oh God!" And then when you see them on, you see people wearing them. They're they're pretty fun, and I understand why so many people are, have gravitated to them. Um, we've also done pretty well in them, to be perfectly honest. Knock on wood. Um, yeah, in terms of how that works out, it's generally the commercial guys who um, liaise with Macron, and they get basically a swath of different options. And what it looks like, designs, and they Macron does some really cool stuff. Um, you know, even for next year, I won't give too much away, but there's some there's some very cool ideas um, that they throw in our way, and we compile the ones we think are our best. And then at the end of the day, the owner who's got very good taste and very good style and understands sort of the um, mood of where things are and you know where trends are, he makes the ultimate decision on on what it should look like. Um, so yeah, I may have come in and questioned, oh, why would we do that? But obviously he was right since we've oh, almost yeah. sold through that entire allotment. That's stunning. So Dan, do you want to follow that up with something completely not to do with it, that will just uh, put Dane on the spot like that? <laughs> yeah. So these are, these are the kind of this or that questions just to learn a okay. bit more about your, your American yeah. heritage. Um, yeah. so we're going to go through, I'm going to give you kind of t a choice of two things and on the spot, you've got to give me. Uh, which one you prefer? And okay. I think the earlier ones are easiest, knowing knowing a bit about your background. So so, before we ask you some harder questions, try and make you feel nice and calm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 All right. So we're going to begin. Right. First one: East Coast or West Coast? East Coast, of course. 
New England or New York? New York. Oh, will the family yeah. be happy with that one? Yeah, most uh, the vast majority of my family are New Yorkers. My friends, maybe not so much. All right. Clam chowder or lobster roll? Clam chowder. New, New England York. clam chowder, though. Okay, yeah. White, yeah. not red, right? No, white, correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. New York slice or Chicago deep dish? Oh, New York slice. 10 times out of 10. East Village Dive Bar or Upper East Side Wine Bar? East Village Dive Bar. All right, yeah. we're good. Um, the Garden or Barclays Center? The Garden. All right. Uh, mountains or the beach? Beach. Yankees or Red Sox? Oh, or my neither. Lord. Or neither. Or neither. Don't, no, Yankees don't even say Red Sox. <laughs> we have a Red Sox fan at the city ground. And I have a very hard time saying hello to him and looking him in the eye. <laughs> All right. Um, United or Delta? Delta. Barbecue or tacos? Tacos. Yes, definitely. Although my hey. wife is from Oklahoma, she might kill me. <laughs> We're not sure um, you fall out with everyone here, by the way. So. Yeah. <laughs> How many people can we alienate with one quiz? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Memorial Day or Labor Day? Memorial Day. And uh, this is an MLS one for you. Eastern Conference or Western Conference? Eastern Conference. I have to stick with Eastern Conference. Cool. So there you go. Those who are listening to this, you know, Dana, you used to know him or invite him for Christmas, maybe over now or uh, some other. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But I used I to have wanted... a lot of friends and family and now they're all gone. <laughs> I just want to go to an East Village dive bar now. It's, it's been a while. But, um, you do. You, uh, oh, everyone should experience it once. Only been once, but I, I, we got down there in New York. So I just definitely got to get over the next year and try and watch a game over there with the guys. Um, Holly, uh, do you want to throw, I've got a few more here, just a couple more for you. And I'm going to uh, test you on some of the phrases of Nottingham, which I'm sure you can't wait for. And, uh, <laughs> get it all wrapped up. But, yeah, Holly, away with uh, yours if you could. Sure. Um, so I'm really interested to know um, how much did the club have to sell itself to you? Um, what was the most attractive thing about the role? They didn't really have to sell their, themselves much, to be honest, Holly. Um, I was at a point where I knew I was leaving and I wanted to do something new and some opportunities before me and um, had been speaking to other clubs and then Forrest came and um, Giannis Renzos came to me first. I think he was the first one who who said, okay, maybe Dane is, is a is someone we want to speak to. Um, I have known Nick Randall for now the better part of two years, uh, just, you know, being on the AFL um, committees with him and meet, going to the meeting. So I had a very good feel for Nick and he's, he's a good friend and maybe one of the smarter people in the game. Um, mm -hmm. So not much had to be sold. What I asked was if I have this plan and I have this philosophy, will the time and patience be allowed for me to implement it? And the answer was yes. Um, and once they said yes, and they, they, they showed me exactly what their ambitions were, which I had previously known because, you know, the ownership group has been very successful in European um, football and they, they want to continue to do so. I, they, they, the club didn't have to sell me much at all. I think we, it became very amicable once we met each other. It was almost like, okay, this makes sense. The two of us are in a room, not in force myself and what we're trying to achieve. We have the same ideas. 
on what we want to accomplish. It's, it's can we marry everything else that comes with it? Their uh, knowledge in the game, their tradition, their, their resource, and sort of my um, philosophy, if you will, I use that word a lot, methodology of exactly how I think the modern game can be approached and how we can be successful and sustainable at the same time. So was it a relatively quick process? It was relatively quick. Um, mm. It was, you know, there wasn't a lot of haggling at all. It was, it, again, mm. we, you know, met with the decision makers. We went through a few things and I kind of was waiting on them to come back and say, okay, is this a good fit or not? And once they did, there, there wasn't any hesitation on my part. Let's put it that way. Cool. Those two stars, Holly, you see they're worth something in the world on that. When we were in League One, it felt like the commentators mentioned European Cup winning Nottingham Forest so much versus Yeovil versus whoever. Championship, you don't get it so much, but I've always stated that if we get to the top flight again, those two stars, as you said, they're known in the States, they're known in, yeah. in places, and people either go Robin Hood or they go Brian Clough or Forest. Yeah. Those stars will have a gravitas for us if we get, and it's and we don't want to live off that all the time. But yeah. I do believe the forest got, especially how the Premier League is with social media and things like that. I think it could do nothing but good for the club. Yeah, and I agree with you. I don't. I, I think you know, living off it is not the right approach. But you you have to have a um, degree of um, sort of adherence to the past and making sure you're upkeeping the, the tradition and and honoring those who made the club what it is um in the same regard moving the club forward so that we start our own history in a way so you can't you can't forget it you can't say oh this is the new era and we're going to do it this way no the, those two stars mean more than anyone realizes until they're around it to be honest because you said yeah in america we know who nottingham forest is um, but until you're here, until you're around the club and you see what it means globally to so many people, you don't really understand. So you, you, you have to, you have to keep a, you know, a touch tight distance to that and build towards the future of what you think is, is going to grow the club and, and bring it back to where it belongs in the Premier League. I can't say the joy of, I live with an Arsenal fan. So the draws. Oh boy. And we, yeah. when we last had them at home, we were singing Champions of Europe, you'll never sing that. And they went, Champions yeah. of Europe, you weren't alive. And we went, Champions of Europe, what is it? You'll, you won't be alive or something. We were like, you know, <laughs> it's like, it, it, great bragging rights for these people who moan about coming fifth in the Premier League. Um, yeah. All right, so we're going to bring it back to the here and now then. Um, not going to get too deep into the January transfer window, but... No, um, we promise. Yeah, I, no, yeah. well, we'll see. We're recording now, so <laughs> no. Um, so I think as a Forest fan, traditionally, and I think this is probably with a lot of clubs, right? We fear the January transfer window because we've either had years where we've been in and around the playoffs, and then we've, um, you know, kind of the subjective view has been we haven't done enough to get us over the line, and then other years we've been near the bottom and we've suddenly spent money on fifteen players that are out the door again in in the summer. Um, but your recent history with the January transfer window has been fairly successful, given last year at Barnsley and bringing in uh, Daryl DK from from Orlando and the impact he had. How do you kind of go about preparing for it, given there's so many variables that are out of your control? And what, how many, how many plans do you have to have? And what what does the preparation look like? And, and fundamentally, do you enjoy that process of having a transfer window there in the middle of the season? Yeah, I mean, I guess simple answer is the January window is an enigma it's ugly you never know what's going to happen especially now with the way the markets are and the positions financially most teams are in you can't 
you can't go in there into January into the winter window blind. And, and I think you said it in your asking your question, the most important word is preparation. So we've, we got through the, the summer window and once we stabilized what the team is right now, what it looks like, and we're obviously doing pretty well, you sit down with the staff, you sit down with the recruitment team and the ownership group and you say, what are the most important priorities for the playing group as it stands? Give me your two or three and let's figure out as a group collaboratively how we're going to approach this. And so we've done that and we did that pretty, pretty early um, in the fall. The execution now is the important part. So I, I, I totally agree. Um, overspending, overextending in January never works. It just doesn't. But the same respect, if you get a few pieces in, could be even one piece, um, that can sort of uh, reinvigorate. It can strengthen. It can provide depth that wasn't there before that can help you push on as a club for the second half of the season. And not just the second half of the season, because if you look in a short term at the January window as, oh, well, I'm only cared about the next six months, it doesn't work. Because you, you have to look at something that's going to propel you, yeah, great, the next six months, let's see where it goes, but it's also going to help us for the summer, in the summer window, whether that's financially or on the field, and, and there forward. So the approach is, what do we feel is, is most important to build out the group that we have now, strengthen the group we have now or fill gaps. Um, and how do we go about executing that as early as possible so that from January 1st, we have an idea of what we look like. Now, that's what you always want, but it never happens. So you, you think, oh yeah, we're gonna have everything done. January 1st, you're gonna get the players in, players are on the fringes, maybe they're going out. But because of the, uh, maybe the ill-preparedness of others or just the, the, the timing of the market and what it looks like, you can't execute in that way. So you have to prepare for every eventuality. Um, I guess in short, it's, it's you know, finding the, the key areas on the field in which you, have, you think you have an opportunity to improve, making sure you hit those markers so that everyone um, in the decision-making process feels like it was a good window and they, their opinion was valued and, and you move from there. Yeah, I feel like it's it, for us. It's always felt like it's a bit like, oh, January's here. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Um, right. So you may have answered some of this in terms of what you just said that Melissa's got a question regarding kind of the way football is nowadays and the setup, really. Yeah, that what we, what you just said there was was really interesting um, with regard to the recruitment and, and everything. Um, can you explain? You know, for for me as a fan growing up, um, we've grown up with a club that's had a chairman, um, then a board of directors, then a manager, trainers, then obviously the players, and you kind of grow together um but so much seems to have changed over the last maybe five ten years and um, so many new roles um and titles within a football club um, yeah. as much as you can could you describe a typical week as a ceo within a club as big as forest are yeah a typical week i wish there was a typical week to be honest <laughs> um, every, every week since you've been here we'll sit back <laughs> yeah. the floor yeah. is yours <laughs> yeah it's um what what you try to do is early Monday morning. What we've what we've done uh, since I've arrived is have you know uh, a meeting with the senior management team to lay the land of what happened the previous week at the club, what we're looking forward to this week at the club, and being prepared again for the eventualities or things that may come up. Um, 
to make sure everyone who is um, in a decision-making role at the club is on the same page and they all have an idea and it's clearly communicated and that we all, uh, if, if something, you know, a rogue wave or a curveball comes that we're all reacting the same way. We had an idea of, of what was going to happen. Now this has changed. What is our solution? I think that's most important is making sure that everyone um, at the city ground and even at the training ground knows, okay, this happened last week. This is what's coming up this week. How, how are we approaching what's coming? Um, and then from there, um, yeah, calls with the FL or, or other clubs, um, making sure I'm going to the, the training grounds, uh, to see training, to meet with Steve, to meet with the staff, be visible and show that between the city ground, and the training ground at, uh, Nigel Dowdy Academy, that there is, um, cohesiveness that we're all together in this, at this club together and making sure that no one feels separated and, and, um, that they're not part of what goes on off and on the field. Uh, from there, yeah, it's it's meeting people from that maybe you know agents or sponsors that want to come in, or you know, do we have to fill a position and uh, do I have to be mobile during the week? Sometimes, yes, you know, maybe I have to go down to London, maybe I have to go to Manchester or uh, Leeds to have a meeting and and discuss things. Uh, but basically it's the most important thing that I've realized in this role and what's pervasive throughout each week um, is communicating to the people that you work with uh, and making sure the management of their emotions, expectations, you know, what they're trying to achieve is clear. Um, so in a, in a, in a typical week, uh, you're doing that, you know, basically all day long and, and making sure that you know the steady approach, the steady upward trajectory is held to. Um, you're going to have troughs, you're going to have ups and downs, but making sure those within the club that are vital to its success all know what the plan is, what the guidance is, how to react to variables, um, and push on from there. You've completely covered off a question we're going to ask about, um, you know, when you're in a company that has got long-term sustainability versus sort of short-term delivery and how it works. It's quite a fast-moving thing. So thank you for answering two questions at once. <laughs> is now going to completely go sideways and give you a few of these wonderful... <laughs> for those listening, uh, we're going to throw this poor man uh, some words and phrases from Nottingham that uh, Lisa's probably got the most Nottingham accent out of all of us. So uh, I think four is a fair amount. Uh, there's no fail with this, Dane. Don't worry, there's no great, you know, shocker. Dane Murphy says, da, 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 doesn't know what that was um okay. you know we'll see how you do uh, go on, Lisa. Okay. the first one um you you turn up at the training ground on a monday morning um forest have won over the weekend and you say hey up my docs what response would you expect um congrats on the three points <laughs> yeah. uh, yes more it's like basically <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest, a I, hello. I yeah, it's a hello. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that yet. So thankfully, because I would probably just stare at them and say, "Come again." So don't worry. If someone calls you a duck. It's it's, yeah. it's a good thing. Gates. We're thinking more Joe Worrell with the accent. It, okay. That's a good thing. It's a good. This thing. is great for me, by the way. This is oh. this is. I need I need this time to learn these things. <laughs> turn up turn up on Monday morning and say to Joe Worrell, "Hey, up me duck," and just see oh okay. mate, he'll be like, oh, Dane's arrived. And also, also, I'll just throw the other one in there, Lisa. Was that one? If someone says to you, uh, "Call you Senator Fater," 
Any clue with that one, Dave? Zero. So the official Shakespearean would be, I don't consider you to be a pugilist, sir, is to call your son a fater. It's like fating. Got Uh, it. So yeah, that's the bad one and me duck's the good one. At least a couple more. Oh, uh, we're at the wrong time of year, to be fair, for you to be wearing your trench coats. Um, Especially for someone like me, who is a little bit nesh. I would prefer to wear a duffel coat and a big hat. Do you know what the word nesh means? Um... Warm-blooded? No, it'd be the reverse, wouldn't it, I guess? It's actually the co- yeah, cold. It's actually cold. It's mean, cold. Okay. So, okay, if, so if you t- if you turn up at the city ground wearing your very nice tr- trench coat um, on week on Saturday, you may find if, if you are cold, you know, cold-blooded that you are feeling a little bit nesh. Yeah, you tried to spoon-feed that one to me and I still got it wrong. The, the thing is, under the trench coats, I have a lot of layers, so it may look like Oh, he's got a great fashion sense and he's sacrificing his warmth. I'm not because I get cold very, very easily. Yeah, sadly, uh, because of COVID, I definitely don't, Dane. Um, and then <laughs> finally, we've got the food related one, maybe, uh, Lisa. Yeah, the food related one. So you're at the city ground, you, you walk down as if you're going into the Trent End and you go to the burger van and you ask for a bacon cob. What are you going to get? I know this bacon sandwich. There we go. Very good. Do you want to know why I know this? Because, because everyone in England talks about it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, well, yes. But when you drive in and it's what, Coffee's Cop Shop on the right, when you take the turn, I, I had no idea. At first, I had, honestly, I had no idea what a cob shop was. Yeah. And I had to, I had to Google it. I had to figure out what it was. So that's the only reason I know what a bacon cob is. And now, as a joke around the office, I'll say to people, does anyone want to go to the cob? And they just look at me and roll their eyes. So <laughs> you've got a phrase now, Dane. You can go, hey, help me, ducks. Any of you want yeah. a cob or you want to be crease in a fate? Yeah? And they go, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, then no one will talk to me. Why has he gone back to the 15th century? Um, <laughs> so I've got a couple more questions for you. Then we're going to end with some word association. So there's a bit of a longer setup to this, but it's kind of trying to make a point and what I'm, uh, to make it really clear. I doubt anyone would disagree with the fact this season started badly regarding stats and 108 years and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it could be worse. We could be further down the M50, A52. Um, and the club <laughs> this time to make a change of manager, obviously. As I mentioned in an earlier question, there was an optimism around your appointment um, way before it actually happened. So when it came to the appointment of Steve Cooper, the fans were not only keen to see who would take over, but also give us a clue to the way that you would recruit or select someone to work with. Um, that changed since Steve has arrived, not only on the pitch, but the spirit sort of, you know, transparency, fan meetings, all that. It's just huge. I mean, joking about it, so many tweets have just gone, I, I can't get over it. There's not been a transfer window. It's just day and night. I mean, how surprised have you been by that turnaround or was it all part of the master plan? Definitely not part of the master plan. Um, uh, the change in um, sort of the fortune and, and how we are playing at the moment um is not surprising to me because the you know i faced steve for two years um and in getting to know him uh you know briefly in in the term that we were we're trying to recruit him in and from what i've heard i i knew that he had a special ability um and i also knew that the talent within the team was good enough to compete you know, in, in the division and, uh, you know, for whatever reasons, sometimes in this sport, uh, things work and they don't, and you, you can't point the figure at, at anyone or any individuals at all. 
um, we've, we've found a formula that works and that's how sports are. You can have the best player in the world go into a club and he looks terrible because he, he doesn't fit into the formation. He doesn't fit, um, uh, culturally, his family doesn't love it. Sometimes you just find the right ingredients and they work. And that is what we were trying to do in the short term for the long term. The speed at which Steve, his staff, and the players have gravitated toward one another, the chemistry, um, the ability for them to fight through any adversity, uh, I think those are the surprising elements to me because. You now have a team um, that just looks like they can win any game, even if even if we're behind the eight ball and we're losing. There's there's just a um, defiance uh, that that's that's grown in them, and uh, I'm I'm really happy to see it because we have a young core of players that are especially talented, and we also have a few veteran leaders now that um, look like they have complete control um, of the task at hand. And it's, it's, been, it's been really nice and rewarding for everyone at the club. I mean, the, the, the atmosphere, the, the joy that people are taking in it and you know, how we're all able to come in on, on Mondays and, and Wednesdays um, after matches and, and sort of revel in the things that are going well on the field and then helping that then manifest off the field is, has been really, really good. I don't know if Steve will be aware of this or if you are either in lots of ways, because it's been very much a, a fan conversation I know we've had. The the first game he came in, I think it was Millwall with home was the first home goal, wasn't it? And when he stood at the, the side of the, the pitch and was singing Mull of Kintyre, I saw him kind of look up at the stand, Brian Clough stand and all that business. Now we've seen a lot of people coming in saying, I remember this club in the 70s and they deserve this. And equally, I've seen managers going, we don't care about the past. It felt like for me, a manager who was very much going, I fully appreciate where I am in this role. I really appreciate that this, this football club is mine at the minute, you know? Yeah. And whether that was a time with your own ethos with that, but that, that has just really come across, you know, it felt like it was a perfect fit for a club that, you know, has a good pass, but also has had a long time of not having stuff like that. So, uh, you know, from that point of view as fans, we just, that's been really noticeable to us. Yeah. And, and if there's one thing that Steve is, is it's genuine. Um, so his reaction, I think. So referees to, has been great recently as well. We've liked that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, he he is he is someone that you gravitate towards just because he's going to tell you like it is good, bad, or indifferent. And the reaction that you saw when the hymn was being sung, and his reaction to us at Bristol City and the away fans, those things are all real. And I think. Supporters, no matter what club you support, they see those things. They see right through the the, uh, the false narratives and sort of the fake camaraderie and rah-rah stuff. But equally, they see the genuine characteristics of the players and the staff and the people on board. Um, and he has it in spades in, positive, in positivity um, towards the fact that he is the head coach, the manager of, of Nottingham Forest and and he knows its history he honors the history but he knows now how special the moment is to be a part of where the club is um in this period of its of of uh, of the club standing and he's 
it's it's been a, a a really rewarding time for everyone involved, and it's in its infancy since I've arrived, and obviously Steve has arrived. But I think we all can attest to the fact that something there is a groundswell of something special here. And again, don't want to overshoot the landing. No, we're about. But to if we, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if we if we keep in this way and our approach um, is diligent, and we find solutions together as a as a club and a group. Um, and there's no alienation. There's no, you know, sort of separatist ideologies. We, we will, we will be successful. Um, and I, and I truly believe that. Yeah. We've had the phrase so many times about we'll win more than we lose playing like that and things like that. So, um, (laughs) Fast couple of bits. Um, Holly's going to give you some word association. Just first word that pops okay. into your head. Um, obviously, we can just say stop and <laughs> rewind if that's the one. Uh, not that word. Um, and then we've got one more question for you at the end, and then we'll miss you a uh, Merry Christmas and all that. So, Holly, okay. are you there? Are you ready to fire some? Uh, remember, don't do the ones at the bottom because they're the really they're the really bad ones. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Noted. Right. Let's fire away. So, uh, word association. First word or phrase that comes into your mind when I say these words. Uh, you okay. ready to go, Dan? Yep. Excellent stuff. Okay, so City Ground. The song. Brian Clough. Winner. Steve Cooper. Yeah, genuine. Premier League. The next step, hopefully. Like it, like it, like it. Playoffs. I guess the actual next step. And then Premier League. We knew that would be the tricky one anyway. Yeah, yeah that one was that. tough. You you set me up on that. Definitely one. happening. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Derby County. Oof. Bit of sadness, honestly. Good, good. Uh Mull of Kintyre. City ground. And last but not least, January transfer window. I'd rather stick with Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Excellently done. The, the, the tricky one at the end there. We thought, do you know what? I just see that one at the end there. But it's, yeah, yeah. the yeah. weirdest moment if out of all this interview, you decided to go, well, on the 4th of January, we'll be bringing in. Um, yeah. so listen, we're, we're about done with all our questions. So there's just one more to sort of really go with, first of all. Um, it'd be very easy to ask you one, say no comment and go, where will we finish and all that. But you're not a crystal ball reader. And we are, as we, you know, genuinely, it's lovely to see how we are at the minute and the club and God knows what, especially from where we were at the start of the season and COVID and all that stuff. Um, but we just, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer and I'm sure the guys who do the pod with me are. While the points are there, you've got to keep going for them, you know? Yeah. Which way that could be in the table. But final question from us really is, obviously the start of this year uh, is Barnsley and, you know, the end of this year you're here. Um, where would, what, what is the dream? I mean, I know the obvious word is say Premier League, but, you know, what would be a satisfactory if we're here next year in 2022 talking uh, for Nottingham Forest? I mean, I could ask you, but you could say, actually, I'd quite like to be at Real Madrid or something. So, but overall, but what, what would you be, uh, what would be a great, you know, return on where we are next year? So I think the great return, in my estimation, for the club, um, if we're talking this time next year is yes, the premier league is the dream, but if we are able to finish in the top 10 this season, which is at this point, as we all can see is, is, is attainable with a responsibility, knowing that the summer window and this next 12 months 
we can really push ourselves into a, a, I believe, a top three, top two team within those 12 months, I think that's, that would be the most rewarding goal. Now, obviously, if, we, if we're able to get in the playoffs this season, go to the Premier League, we're all sitting around here, um, probably a drink in our hand, having a great time. We're playing basketball um, in the snow, my friend. That's what yeah, we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm doing that already, and we're only in for yeah. 17. Yeah. Um, but it, no, in all honesty, I think um, in my own mind, my own estimation was let's, let's find a way to, to be successful on the field this year, but also let's get ourselves um, sustainable after the sort of the financial pitfalls of COVID and really make a go of it in 2022 2023 i think we're a bit ahead of schedule honestly um and if we can be smart in this next um six to eight weeks with what we're doing next year and if the summer goes right next year could be could be fantastic and i i really do believe finishing in the in the top 10 top eight is a monumental achievement for you know, what's gone on, gone on the last 12 to 18 months and, and where we've been and, and where we're going. If we can do that and have an eye towards building this out in the summer and beyond, I think this time next year, you're, you're looking at a, if not um, a top three, a top two team, a top three team Stop. in the championship. Stop making me so, sound really optimistic, Dana. I, 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 by nature, am an optimist. And I don't like setting these no, grandiose no. goals. I really don't. But this is this is if you're asking me, pie in the sky, what in a year would would be the most rewarding or where you would feel the best. That's that's honestly my answer. And that's with everything going right. Sure. And there's, there's obviously a lot of moving parts to that. But you know, again, yeah, yeah we'll take that. We're, we're good. Yeah, everyone's nodding on that one. Um, so first of all, you know, from myself, I just you know, and I'm sure the guys will echo this as well. I'm uh, hope your first Christmas away from that wonderful food and all the things you said is uh, is is okay. A nice yeah. few points on Boxing Day maybe, uh, and all that. And also, thank you so much for taking the time to come and do this. Um, I know you know we're just <laughs> we're just a little podcast doing what we do, but at the same time, we really appreciate your time, and I'm sure the fans will as well. Um, and finally, uh, Dan's been helping me. We've been working across. Atlantic on trying to get all this together. Um, Dan says, before we leave, to Dan says, this is kind of way of going, if you don't like this question, uh, before yeah. we leave, is there anything you'd like to say to the Forest fans at this festive time of year? Yeah. I, I, it, first of all, I want to say thank you for welcoming me, as you, as you guys alluded to. It's the support for the team um, and from what I've you know basically been told and a few things I've been shown that the support for me is is there um, and that, that can that can only help, but I'm a very small uh, cog in the wheel of Nottingham Forest. So the support for the club, our coaching staff, uh, Steve and the players remains as strong as it is now. Uh, it'll be a great year for all of us and, and Merry Christmas and ho happy holidays to you all. Hope to see you all at the city ground um, and come on your heads. Come on you reds. Oh, guys uh, agree with me on that one. Say thank you and goodbye and cheerio and all that. And all the real good. You reds. You reds. 
So there we go, guys. I've let the others uh, go, uh, go back to the uh, workshop to make more uh, forest dreams, <laughs> etc., like that. So it's just me to the end here for this last little bit. Uh, we reached out to you guys uh, with five questions. We wanted to know the moment of 2021. Obviously, we appreciate this gives, you know, it's a little bit of last season and a little bit of this one, really. Uh, the goal of 2021, uh, as in your favourite, your favourite player of 2021 and your random moment of 2021. Oh, and finally, your hopes for 2022. So I'm going to go through a few of these and see how many of them you may agree with there. So uh, at Greeny, um, I might have got this wrong again. Is it Green YC 77 or is it Gree NYC 77? Either way, it's Craig. Uh, thanks for getting in touch, mate. Uh, your uh, moment of 2021 is Steve Cooper's rejuvenation, which, I mean, Christ, we've uh, never seen anything like it, have we really? In terms of turnaround, well, not in, uh, not for a while anyway. Um, your goal of 2021 was Zinker's belter at the weekend, which uh, was away at Swansea, cracking hit. Favourite player is uh, Jed Spence. <laughs> He's rubbish, Craig. What are you talking about? We don't talk about Jed Spence. Keep it quiet. He's rubbish. I reckon five of us should be able to get him. Uh, random moment of 2021 was Lyle bullying the Preston lab with a crying face after agreed. That was uh, a pretty surreal one. And your hopes for 2022? Playoffs. Don't mention playoffs, but also mention the playoffs. Um, next up, we've got David Jane, Jones, not James. <laughs> the former keeper hasn't got in touch. Uh, David, oh, it's, it's, my, it's still my favourite with the uh, the name because I've read it out. David Joe two five one nine seven six seven seven. I should get that tattooed on my brain. Uh, always, as always, David. Thanks for getting in touch. Uh, moment was Muller Kintyre before Bournemouth at home, which I know we discussed on. Uh, on the pod before that, you know, it's kind of it was a lovely moment being back, but it's always the one they'll talk about where the tape wasn't in, <laughs> it wasn't incorrectly or something. Uh, Zinc versus Red in a way, great hit. Uh, player Worrell again. I think we Jed Spence. We don't talk about Worrell. He's rubbish. We don't like. To, he's, he's crap. No one wants him. Um, the low goal is your random one versus Millwall. Absolutely. And your hopes keep improving and keep Cooper. There we go. It's the first time I've heard anyone really mentioning that. But yeah, absolutely. Who's gonna? People are gonna be sniffing around if uh, those fist pumps keep rolling in. Uh, Carl Booth, uh, Carl Booth, six eight four one two nine seven three. I just need to know, Carl, for future reference. Is there many other Carl Booths? Is there in my hold on? What's that? Is there like sixty eight million four hundred and twelve nine hundred seventy two others that, or is it just random numbers? I love a good name on Twitter. Um, your moment is uh, Cooper's appointment. Absolutely big turning point. Uh, grabbing at Brum. Oh yeah, great goal. Um, players of the season is Yates and Spence. Oh, Ryan Yates, what a man. Um, random moment of 2021 really made me laugh. Anything Taylor. He's, <laughs> uh, yeah, for, for many different ways. And playoffs uh, is the hopes for 2022. Uh, the wonderful Clarky underscore number one, Lee, uh, one of our cohorts. Um, Steve C appointment, absolutely. Zinc versus Redim. He's, he's, me and Lee, we basically pray at the same church and he's gone for Scott McKenna. I'm absolutely the same. I think the man is a colossus. Um, most performances under Chris Hewton were random. <laughs> I mean, I'd say there was a certain not random, but at the same time, I know exactly what you mean. And his hopes are maintain an identity and keep having a go in every game, which is absolutely the case, and we want to see that. Uh, Gareth Roberts at Red Dog Roberts. Moment of 21, Huddersfield win under Reed. Yeah, that was the turning point, as it looks. Uh, goal is Graben's Thunder Bastard, a way it can't remember. <laughs> uh, that was Brom, I think. Uh, player McKenna again. Ah, ah, ah Church has got McKenna. Uh, random, signing an injured right back on a one-year deal who will miss another two months due to Arab Cup and AFCON. Yeah, I must admit, um, I don't know how much we'll see of Drager, but um, hopes continued alignment in vision from top to bottom. Uh, David Eaton, David89, Eaton is grabbing goal away at Birmingham. Absolutely, David, thanks for getting in touch. Uh, Scotty Brayford, um, uh, at eight, 
Celeric. Um, there you go. Uh, well, Limbs versus Bristol City away. Steve Cooper's appointment, favourite moment. Graben versus Swansea, great team goal. Scott McKenna. I keep whispering that one now. Uh, the blue sombrero at QPR. <laughs> yeah, that was a bizarre man with these shaker shakers. I was quite glad to see him shut up at the end. And more of the same from Steve Cooper as he's hopes. Playoffs even? Question mark. A few more of these. James Bradshaw. Oh, God, my God. This is another cracker. J Bob, 69832490. Uh, Sacking Hewton was the moment. Taylor's goal versus Bristol City. Favourite goal, Ryan, super Ryan Yates. Uh, Favourite player, Taylor's crying face mean Random moment and a club we can proud of. Win, lose or draw. Mr. Daw, you might have heard of that man. Uh, thanks for getting in touch there, Ben. Uh, versus Bristol City is the uh, moment. Grabbing goal at Birmingham. Ryan Yates is his player. Steve Cooper knowing who I was was his random moment. That is a proud moment. I hope he, uh, I hope you joined fist pumps just to piss off everybody who doesn't like the fist pump. And going up is his hopes. Uh, Gaz Humphreys, Bristol City away. Zinc at Reading with a goal. McKenna again. Huddersfield away. John McGovern shutting the boot on the people carrier, trapping Frank Clark in it. I just really hope there's video footage of that somewhere, Gaz. Uh, continue to progress. Not going to win every game, but look like a football team again. I love a bit of solid thinking. Thank you, Gaz. Uh, Craig Boltby, I think we've got here. I agree with most. Grabs diving header at Huddersfield. My goal at number two. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cracking header. There's a lot more of these than I thought there was, but I'll whiz through because anyone gets in touch we want to try and get you involved last minute win at bristol i think that's going to be the one we officially go with as a club's as a podcast sponsored one i remember sitting in a bathroom floor in watford or somewhere going mental watching it uh don't ask why i was on the floor uh grabbing at brum spence is the player lyle taylor housery have pressed it <laughs> and january they can keep spence warrell and johnson and add a striker absolutely uh one decent fox obviously replied to that i like the lyle taylor housery that's certainly lisa for you um, Stonbank we've got here uh, hiring a Steve Cooper absolutely Taylor versus Bristol City uh, is a goal um, McKenna again Vrentos going back to Greece was his moment uh, Murphy stays and the Greeks stay out of the day-to-day -day operations well um, we didn't quite get to that with uh, Dane but I can't see him going anywhere as it stands I think he's uh, really enjoying his time that's his hope uh, for five and the rest will take care of itself 100% uh, not that Brian Harvey uh, hello but mate uh, Brighton City ABC uh, Bristol City away Grabs versus Birmingham Samba is his player. Yellow third kit is the random moment, which you'll now see on the uh, the image for this podcast with Dane's uh, Mac. And the noise at the Trent End Library is his <laughs> host for 2022. Uh, and then the final one I've got here is uh, maybe Bry, who uh, might, sorry, might be Bray. Um, I'm late, but I don't care. But we, we got you in. Lyle Taylor, second goal at Bristol City. Grabbing against QPR, home or Brum away. Ryan Yates, Jimmy Garner or Brycey Samba. I'd have to say there, man. Jimmy Garner, definitely more recently. You wouldn't have said that for a little while. Um, random one is the existence of Gaetan Bong. Oh, do you know what? I'll always defend Gaetan because I don't think he goes out to do a bad job. I just don't think he's at the right level. And he's spelled out with gaps in between P-R-O-M-O-T-I-O-N promotion say it quietly right guys thank you so much for getting in touch and listen it's for me to wrap up here we've had a really wonderful first um sort of i don't know what are we sort of nearly half of a season uh, doing the podcast. It was big shoes to fill uh, following on from Alan and um, the way that he did it and the guys all before. So um, for those who continue listening with us, um, thank you so much for staying. Uh, for those of you who are new to it, hello, how are you doing? This is how it's always been. We'll tell you that. Uh, we've got plenty more coming in 2022. Um, we're going to put a lot more ideas in and try and get a lot more structure to it so you always know what to expect each week. But for those who enjoy it for what it is, we'll keep doing what we do. We're not a deep, in-depth podcast going through moves and, you know, XG and all stuff like that. We just like to try and talk like 
like fans talking about something we love and uh, add a bit of randomness and quizzes and stuff as well. So uh, at the end of this as well, we'll be uh, sending out the quiz. There's a wonderful bit of artwork to be won for the Christmas special, which could be winging its way to you in the new year. Uh, the John Robertson goal against Hamburg in the European Cup final in 1980. Uh, once again, thanks to Lisa, thanks to Dan, thanks to Holly, thanks to Lee, thanks to Joe, thanks to Kieran, and who else? Oh, Steve Corey as well, who comes in, and we'll be seeing those guys in the new year um, coming in with us. And yeah, merriest, merriest of Christmases. Keep safe and happy new year, and we will see you very, very soon. And do you know what? You Reds. Yeah.